All right, Bonnie, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are today? All right. So I'm a chief operating officer for Turning Point Restaurants. Um, I got here today. Uh, I joined the company 25 years ago. I had gone to culinary school. I came out, I was hired as the chef. Um, at the time, we only had one very small little location. Um, we had the opportunity to open up another location, which then snowballed into kind of where we are today. Um, through the process of the years of opening the restaurants and working closely with the owner, um, you know, he started to kind of show me more of the business side of it, which eventually led me kind of out of the kitchen and more into uh, sort of overseeing the whole operations as he needed help in the process of overseeing the multiple locations. Um, my role morphed into um, more of a corporate chef slash uh, director of operations. Um, yeah. And over the course of the years, over the I think it was about two years ago where my title changed to its most recent of chief operating officer. That's amazing. And you guys have what, 30 plus locations at this stage now? That's like some incredible amount. Yeah, well, we have 24 corporate owned and we have uh, one franchise and we have uh, this coming year, we have five locations. Um, we have locations currently in New Jersey, Pennsylvania and Delaware. Yeah. Um, we have signed on three different franchisees. So we have that ball rolling right there. We have locations, two locations right now for uh, Florida. We have two locations for Virginia. Um, so 2024 to 2025 at that point, we will probably actually go above 30. We'll probably go around 35 locations somewhere within the next uh, year or two. That's incredible stuff. Like, I mean, firstly, congratulations on like dealing with that level of scale and that level of like, I mean, that's unbelievable. I mean, as the chief offering officer, you must have your hands full to say the least. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, like, like discussed earlier, you know, you wind up kind of wearing a lot of different hats and because, yeah. you know, through the course of the years that I've, I've been involved with the technology in regards to the POS and KDS screens, and you start to get, you know, a little educated in that department. And, you know, now I kind of am overseeing the marketing department and I, I work, you know, alongside with my HR department and um, a, a little bit with the payroll and, you know, tapped a little bit into facilities. I've opened up, you know, all of our locations. So, you know, there was the days of, you know, peeling off the plastic off of the equipment and uh, yeah. building the shelves, you know. So you just wind up getting such a, a vast amount of knowledge and experience, you know, outside of, you know, where originally it all started from. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I mean, you get to get to blend all of those like sort of like experiences together to get to where you are today. Because it's not often that I get to speak to somebody that starts as like a chef that find themselves into sort of a operations and operator kind of role. Um, it's actually interesting. Yesterday, I had on the podcast, I had. Uh, I'm going to butcher his name, but his name's Mike Gabrinowitz or Gabrinowitz. He's going to kill me for that. But basically, I, like I said, I can't pronounce his name. And he was CIA four-time James Beard semi-finalist. And now he runs Chupita Honey and it's like uh, down in the Carolinas, I guess, and a few other like there, you know, 15 plus locations. And it's like same kind of thing, you know, it's like very interesting to be able to take that side and understand like what it's like to truly be in a kitchen and understand like start like leveling up more and more and more. I mean, to be where you are today after 25 years is thoroughly impressive. I guess the question I'm kind of leading into is like, now that you've kind of run the gamut and you've seen across the board kind of 
all the different permutations of problems or challenges or opportunities that you could face. Like in 2024, January here in 19, like what are the three biggest challenges that you think you're going to face this year? Because you mentioned you got like five new store opening or new restaurant openings, right? right. But like, what are the kind of large challenges that you think you're going to face? Um, I think for us, uh, the biggest challenge that we're going to face really ultimately is going to be the level of this scale up that we're in right now um, and trying to balance, you know, as we are starting to incorporate the franchisees, um, which we also support, um, you know, when they're doing their store openings as well in their trainings. Um, and then we have our own on top of it. You know, when we had our first franchisee that opened up um, a year and a half ago, uh, you know, you're just dealing with just that one opening, so that's easy. But, you know, going into this year where we're like, wow, okay, we have about five stores that we're going to be opening. We have two locations that are going to be opening in Florida where we have two locations yeah. that we're signing leases for in Virginia. Um, and then we have these new three franchisees that have signed on to multi-units. And that'll be the first time for us where we'll have to figure out um, one, expanding our team because I have an operations uh, department that I oversee yeah. um, and kind of splitting everybody out and we've always done our openings together as a team. And now you have yeah. to start deploying your team, you know, more independently. Like, hey, I need you out here, you out here, you out there. Yeah, you know, yeah, I have yeah. my I have people in my team right now that are we are intending to who's gonna go down to Florida and be down there committed for at least two years to focus on that. And I have two people right now that have been with our company for 15 years that are are running um, two different locations for us that are going to be signing on to go down to Virginia. You know, those managing that aspect of franchisees and then our people being so far out of state while we're also trying to run our operations locally, I think that that that's going to be a lot of the challenge. Um, but on the flip side of that, because we've been willing, you know, capable of anticipating this 2024, 2025 huge you know, growth path that we have, we've yeah. also really set ourselves up um to be able to uh grow and develop people that we have within our company uh so that we can have a greater success with this new level of responsibilities that we're about to face you know it's interesting you say that because that's exactly where my mind was going that like you know because it's so interesting because the conversation i hear constantly is like there's hiring is basically like the biggest challenge, like no matter what. And so to offset the sort of hiring challenge, sorry, drop on the ground. The offset the hiring challenge, like it's really just a need to focus on people. But because like so many, like like yourself, like we got growth plans. Like we have to launch so many new locations in multiple different states and we're HQ'd in Jersey. Like we got to figure out like how to like mobilize people. So the focus goes from like the hiring people, how do you retain and train people? And I've definitely heard from people over my 70 plus episodes that the big trend now is very much a huge focus on training, like the good staff that you have to like accelerate them into leadership positions. And it seems like new store openings is like such a great way to do it. And it helps keep the best talent that you have because you're kind of giving them the opportunities. Like when you think about like, say the new store openings, do you think of it like, do you think about like the retention of your best staff in that context or like, are you just focused on like, we need to get that store open and get the PL taken away as fast as possible? Never. It's uh, We have yeah. always been so hyper-focused on growth from within, quite honestly, yeah. because um, 
you know, we have seen the difference between trying to retain people who come in from from the outside of our company yes. as opposed to the people who get us and are growing from within our company. And that's not to say that we even got some really wonderful candidates that have joined our team, you know, from the outside, yeah. um, because there's a lot for us to also uh, learn from those folks also, because, you know, I've done this for 25 years in the turning point. I don't have a lot of other experiences at this point. Every all of my other yeah. experiences is so irrelevant and it's so old. Um, so we've always been really focused strongly in growing our people from within. Everybody within the corporate side are all people who have been with our company and they started off, you know, some of us have started off as hosts and busters and worked their way up. Yeah. Um, so they wind up just having such a, a great background and history and knowledge of the company. They're so bought in, they're such champions and advocates of our company. So, you know, for us, like going into this coming year, one of my biggest objectives last year was to create a growth path program, yeah. um, you know, and creating those very clear uh, layers of opportunities for our employees. Like this is what front of house growth path looks like. And this is what a back of house growth path looks like. And here is how you achieve it. And there's a whole program behind it of, you know, certifications and trainings and, you know, uh, tests uh, so we can sort of measure their progress and ensure that, you know, people are getting adequately trained and they are prepared so that when the opportunity presents itself, we're like, all right, and now we can go. This is very easy. This person's ready. They just need the title change and, and the salary offer at this point. Um, you know, and then the other thing that I've been doing, especially with the fact that we're going to have so many locations is, you know, I started to create these, these, these roles that are sort of the in-between general managers and district managers, because right now, currently, we don't have the opportunity to promote five people into district manager roles. So we, you know, I had created these multi-unit management positions. So now I have some of our senior general managers, they've been with us a really long time, and it gives them an opportunity to learn how to manage multiple units without it being eight units, but maybe they're overseeing three units and yeah. teaching them and developing their skill on managing managers and managing operations from just a different level. Yeah. Um, and that is also getting us prepared for in 2024, 25, when we are like, we're ready to promote now for DMs. I have people that have, have this skill and experience rather than taking somebody and putting them into this role that's completely like, holy smokes, I don't know how to manage yeah. all of this. It's interesting you say that because it's definitely like been like an interesting thing since COVID where a sort of managerial class like kind of left the sort of like scene, so to speak. And so we're now in this sort of training phase and ready to promote phase where people that would have been with like COVID cut out like two years of people's development effectively. And so now we're in the post two years, say we're back, what, end of 2021 was things kind of started normalizing a bit. Yeah. And so really like, you know, we're only in January 2024. So you're talking about 2022, 2023, are people getting enough experience? But the businesses, uh, like your business, for example, are looking to like grow quickly. That gap in like leadership, that gap in sort of managerial expertise, knowledge, like it's very cool to hear that you have implemented over the last year a program to really level up people and give them the opportunity they need. Because I think like one of the resets that COVID did was reset like the employee expectation within the restaurant business in the sense that like, and you're probably hearing this all the time now, you know, like, what is it about benefits that we can offer? You know, everyone's competing with 401ks now. People are competing with like, you know, like promotional promotion opportunities. You know, there's, I mean, there's a million things that everyone's testing and trying every right. single thing. But I'm always curious to hear how people are like talking about it because I think it's one of these ones that people feel like they're in the dark or they're like struggling as a sort of unique problem, but it's like, 
across the board, people are trying to like figure out what the new people reset is within the organization post COVID. And I think it was a long time coming, frankly. And I think you probably agree with that as well as somebody who works in the kitchen. <laughs> totally. It's interesting because, you know, what I will say is that during the pandemic um, and a lot of restaurants, one, they had to lay off people because it was yeah. you know, just doing takeout. Um, but for us, we really wound up actually having the, uh, the great opportunity of having a lot of people actually applying for us because of the fact that we're breakfast and lunch. We close at three o'clock. You're not dealing with like two shifts you're, or three shifts. You're not dealing with an opening, a mid and a close, you know, no. for people to know that one, they can be home for dinner, um, but also the not having the stress of if somebody doesn't show up for the mid or the close, I'm now doing a double or a triple, you know, yeah. and, and it's such a great peace of mind. So because people had the opportunity to be home during the closures, um, when they had to go back, they kind of were like, I don't want to do that again. Like I can't. I, I didn't realize how much I sacrificed and how much I lost of a family and friend time. And now I'm not willing to give it up. I love this industry. This is the industry I know. So how do I find a better work-life balance? We've always had work-life balance. Our company has always had yeah. the work-life balance. So for us, we just didn't kind of have that experience that other restaurants had that were, you know, open from, you know, 11 a.m. until 1, 2 in the morning because yeah. we had better opportunities. You know, so we wound up having a lot of servers and cooks and managers that were saying, I just I can't go back to that life. I, just, I can't yeah. do it. You know, so we were very fortunate in, in that sense. Um, so we kind of had a leg up there. Um, and the other thing, too, is because we you know, I'm constantly trying to find opportunities that we can create for people. There's a lot of companies that just they can't or they don't or they won't. Yeah. Um, and, and also because we, we do have such a good connection with our team members, you know, we send out every year to our managers, like, what are your growth goals for the year? Like, what are you looking to achieve now? What are you looking to achieve, you know, in, in the future? What is, what are you looking to achieve for your team and your store individually? What, yeah. What's your, what's your career, uh, you know, your, your jo dream job, you know, what does five years look like for you? And that really helps us say, we look at that and we go, all right, what can we kind of create to give these people some opportunities? I have people that really love the social media aspect and they have experience in there. Let me hook them up with my marketing manager because she needs yeah. help in that area. I now have a manager who helps create reels in one of our locations. And now this manager is doing two things that she loves, you yeah. know? Um, and, and so they, they feel like, you know, we have a tether on our employees, you know, not just in the manager side, but also when it comes to our hourlies to say, what, what kind of opportunities can we create, the, you know, for these people? You know, my back of house growth path program, I have my culinary managers. We sent out the message to our culinary managers. Who's interested in helping us build this program? You get a pool of five managers that say, hey, I want to be a part of that. Perfect. Here's some guidelines and, and I'll keep checking in on you and you guys just, you know, do your team thing. So when you give these opportunities or you try to create these opportunities, um, you get so much more advocacy and buy-in and retention when you do that because they feel like they're just a part of something so much bigger than just their title. Totally. And, you know, like, like we were saying, like long time coming. I think uh, it's amazing to hear that. And it makes me so impressed and happy for your business that like so like that people feel empowered to like behave like that. And I mean, that great culture, you know, you're able to describe it. And, you know, there's the phrase, you know, culture, you know, it's hard to describe, but you know it when you see it. And yeah. I very much kind of feel like I can see it, but I can also hear you describe it to me. And so candidly, and so like, 
so cogently, so cogently that I'm able to like really understand like what kind of like business you're building there. And it's actually kind of amazing. And I, it, what it, what seems to me, and I definitely get this from you, and I imagine that you will probably agree with this, is, you know, your communication. Presume, like everyone, it seems to me, kind of knows where they stand. You have these programs. It feels like you're really communicating to them, like what you can offer them, like how the business works. They don't feel like they're in the dark, like the stuff about the shifts where you don't have the middle one. It feels like people are feeling heard within the organization as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. You know, we what we one of the things that we do is in every one of our locations, we have what we call a communication TV. And on that communication TV, it's it's a platform that we use to sort of keep the community together, because when you have 24 locations across three different states, you know, how do you get the, 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 the team in Hoboken, New Jersey to somehow or another have some sort of tether to the team in, in Christiana, Delaware? You know, that's a really difficult thing to do. But with the communication TVs, it allows us to share great news and celebrations on our TVs, pictures of team members celebrating accomplishments, uh, an yeah. engagement, somebody's getting married. But it also makes sure that everybody's sort of uniform. This is an operational change. We're putting that out there. Here's an award we just won. Somebody just passed their health inspection. Um, you know, and it's a way that kind of binds everybody in a sense where they're, where, where they're all together. And then when we have our annual company picnic and you have all of the stores coming together, we bus all the stores kind of central to a location. And all of a sudden it's just like, oh, I, I saw your, you got engaged. Congratulations. Because people now start meeting each other. You, it's a very interesting thing when you're like, oh my God, look, you know, you look out and you're like, there's like 700 people here and they're all playing games with each other. And you have locations from all over, you know, three different states. And you see people building relations because they start to recognize each other from the TVs or from the communications or awesome. these these teams that we've created. You know, we use the Teams platform and, and you know, you create these teams. Like I said, you know, you have the, the backhouse growth program team right now. I had a front of house growth program team. I had a new store opening team that was helping yeah. us you know, work on creating a better new store opening training manual for locations where you can't have new hires go train in other locations because they're too far away. You know, you start incorporating and creating these teams and it's amazing, like the relationships that people can can form through a distance. You know, it's sort of like old school pen pals, you know, you can become friends no, with also, somebody, yeah. you know, from another state that you would have never otherwise known. It's interesting because I like, I mean, we're like very remote organization, even on my side. And I'm like, one of my designer lives in like Mallorca, like outside of Vita. And he's like eight, six hours ahead of me here or something. And I'm like calling him and, you know, like we're chit-chatting. And then I got another person who were like, I've, you know, a bunch of like people who do projects for me and they're like in South America. You know, we got a lot of people all over and we do like our offsites. And like, it's like you meet somebody. And it's so funny to me because like you build such a bond with people over like, you know, as long as we're open communication, we're collaborating on everything. And then I meet them and there's a guy on my team who's like six foot nine. And I was like, did not expect you to be that tall. I have to say, I expect that. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's kind of funny yeah. like that. Um, that's amazing. I mean, you guys are thriving. It's like, honestly, like Bonnie, like just like even sitting here for like the last 20 minutes here and you talk like, you know, it's about some of the challenges, you know, about retention and the kind of practices you do and, you know, the opportunities that you have for new stores. It really sounds to me like you guys are thriving. I mean, I'm like, I'm so impressed. I'm so impressed. 
Yeah, we're just the, I think that we're just the kind of organization where, you know, my, my, the owner, uh, he was a, a football player. He actually had Tom Coughlin as his coach when he was in college. So he just has this mentality of, you know, complacency breeds mediocrity. And, and, you know, so we're always oh, just trying to be gosh. like, how do we get better? How do we get smarter? How do we, you know, we really, me and my team owner, we believe so strongly and we have to create opportunities for people, which is a part of our desire and our ambition to continue to grow the business because we look at our people and we go, these people deserve to have more. They, they deserve to make more money. They deserve to be more skilled and have more knowledge and, you know, be able to go from an apartment to a home. How do we make that happen for these folks that are working so hard for us? You know, everybody works hard. There's nobody in our company that just doesn't work hard. Everybody works so hard. And so it's, it's our obligation and our responsibility to make sure that, we're doing everything we can for the people that work for us to give them these opportunities. And so that's such a big driving force for us. You know, I was reading recently, you know, it's interesting you say that, like, how do we make it feel like it's a home as best we can? I was reading, you know, about like the kind of the death of the third place and what is the new third place? Third place being like home, work, and what's the third thing? If you like in America, like how it's kind of collapse of these things, like there's no like social clubs really that people kind of go to. And with work from home now, especially for, you know, a lot of industries, it's like there isn't really even a second place anymore. And so for you to have a goal to make people feel as comfortable as they can at home, that they enjoy being there, almost making work like a quasi third home, uh, third place rather, is like just like such a great goal to have, like for people to really feel comfortable, like the psychological safety that comes with being in a place that you feel super comfortable in. Um, and it's great to hear it from a leader as well, because it's all well and good. You know, like if like kind of humming and hawing about it all and good, like, yeah, we kind of mean it. But like the earnestness, what would you say it? And what I've heard for the last 20 minutes, I mean, like, again, going back, like, I mean, I'm super impressed. I mean, the stuff, I mean, one takeaway, and I'm sure that you probably have a number that you're not going to share, but I'm sure your churn must be so low because it's like, you know, like, why would people want to leave? I mean, it sounds like, you know, you've given, you're giving people great opportunities to really like make a living for themselves, have a great place to work you know, have opportunities for growth if they want to take them, like it's all there, you know, like you're rewarding people for their hard work and like you're putting it in place, which wasn't the play case before for lots and lots of different reasons in hospitality. And, you know, more power to you for doing it. I mean, I'm just, ex I'm excited for your year ahead. I think you guys are going to crush it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think you have to also have a little bit of like ownership of, you know, where are we, where do we go wrong? Where are we going wrong? Where do we need to do better? And, um, you know, I'm a big believer in perspective and also patterns. And so, you know, it, it, you do have to kind of put in the effort to say, you know, when you have so many locations, right, try to have 24 locations or more and make sure that they're all, they're all running with the same uh, good culture, same good, healthy culture, right? And you have to be able to identify we, you know, we do have an employee's uh, relations manager in our company. And part of her responsibility is to identify locations that are having turnover, you know, and, and then it's our responsibility, me and my operations team to say, we need to figure out what's going on over here because there's a problem. And we need to figure out where the problem is, because if, if you just sort of just let, you know, what are they the saying? Let lying ducks lie, you know, nothing's mm -hmm. gonna, it's only going to get worse, you know, so you really have to be, um, I would say one thing about us is we are very protective over our culture. 
Um, so we are really quick to try to identify when you're having a cultural issue in a location and just trying to get on top of it before it just spirals. Because the longer it goes on, the harder it is to get it right back. You know, so so if you're, yeah. you're quick to identify it and quick to step in and say, we have a problem, we can identify the problem. This is what we need to do and move forward on it. Um, you know, the, the quicker you can kind of uh, get it back on track. Totally. And I think, you know, like that just stems from having a positive open culture as well. And just having very kind of clear lines of communication across, you know, different hierarchies and different people within the organization. I think like, you know, one thing that I hear from so many people is like a reset of that, Do you know, especially since COVID and getting people on the same page, irrespective of like level, you know, seniority across the board. I think it's an interesting one. I mean, like, what do you think then, like, you know, for say, you're going to open five new stores, five new restaurants this year. I mean, applying what you just said to be there to that, like, do you see that as a large challenge or do you see that as a large opportunity? Oh, well, we do always see it as an opportunity. <laughs> yeah. I told, I, you know, I had told, uh, you know, we met with our board um, a few months ago and uh, I remember them being like, so, you know, how many stores do you think your team can realistically open up? And I said, I think we could do six to eight. And then my owner later on was just like, man, you just, you just put your foot in your mouth. He's like, cause now they're going to want us to open six to eight. And I'm like, bro, let's go. Let's, let's do six bro, to eight. Let's go. go. Like, come on, man. 25 years. Like our max that we've ever done in a year is like three teetering on four, you know, cause yeah. the timing of it. And I'm like, you know, how are we ever going to get to where we want to go here? If we keep kind of just doing these little, trinkles of store openings like we you know yeah. we have we have to go and the thing is is that i said to him is we're at a point right now we have such an incredible group of people that work for our company we have to get these opportunities to them or they're going to start chasing other opportunities yeah. we need them to chase it within our company and not have to go somewhere else to grow so like we have to keep we have to move we got to get it at a quicksand and we got to go faster so it was funny because he was slightly like annoyed at me because I, I kind of put that exposure out there. And so now there was an expectation and I was just like, sorry, dude, but this is what I'm, I'm telling you, like, let's do, we're ready in 2019 and we get put on such a pause with COVID. Yeah. And we were fortunate that, you know, we were able to open up locations through the course of the pandemic. We did actually do that. It, it was challenging, you know, but nonetheless, we did do it, but it was, it was so trinkled at that point. And, and yeah. we, we were ready to go, you know, at the end of 2019 and then 2020, we just hit a wall. It was so discouraging. So yeah. to have lost all that time. And now it's like, dude, it's our time to shine. Let's go, buddy. <laughs> momentum. Exactly. That's awesome. I mean, like, I'm so bullish for you guys. I genuinely am. Now. I'm coming out of this call and I'm like jazzed. I've got your energy is just like emanating from the screen. I guess like the last thing I'll say to you, because we're a bit over, obviously, is like if somebody like a peer of yours was listening to this, like what would be the thing you would like say as just like a word of advice? Oh, God. Oh, my God. Uh, I think that if I got to just kind of look at myself, um, I think that keep an open line of communication and be open to what your team members are feeling and thinking and, and their insight um, and maybe some of their, their hopes and desires um, and try to find ways to be able to make those things happen. If you can, you know, try to, it doesn't have to be a hundred percent, but you know, your people are everything. You can't do anything without, 
the team behind you. Like you can't go to, to battle without soldiers, you know? And um, I think that it's really important to listen to those people because operationally, like on our end, we can think of the menus and the recipes and, and, and the design of the restaurant, right? But yeah. if you don't have the team of people to support you and advocate for you and stick around, right, and not abandon ship to go for, you know, chase the other opportunities, you, you can't do that. So I think, you know, keeping an open ear and, and taking into perspective, you know, some of their hopes as an employee, uh, I think that you can create such a wonderful culture. You have an opportunity to really create a great culture. And, and like I said, try to layer in opportunities where you can. It doesn't take tons of money. You don't have to give somebody a $25,000 a year increase to give them these, these projects and make them feel yeah. valued and empowered. Um, so I think that, that is, that's really uh, you know, big for us. And then be, having plans and being prepared and actually implement your plans. Like I said, you know, for us, we could see coming down the pipe what 2024 was going to be for us. And yeah. we and, and I said, okay, we need to be prepared for this. How do we do this? How do we open up five to eight locations when we've not done it before success, successfully without you know losing our hair and turning gray, you know? So making a plan in, in the anticipation of knowing what the future is gonna bring you. That's awesome. Well, Bonnie, thanks so much.